Hello, hello, y'all. Hey, it's me, Robin. And before we get into today's episode, I'm here to let you know that the club is open right now for new members. I'm going to take a couple minutes to fill you in on all that the club is offering right now. So if you know for sure you're not interested in joining the club, you're just going to want to hit the forward button a few times until you hear that baffling behavior show jingle. Okay, so the club is a virtual community for families of kids with vulnerable nervous systems and big baffling behaviors. Many families in the club are parenting kids with a history of complex trauma, but definitely not all. Some are parenting kids with vulnerabilities that emerge from their neurotype or their sensory system or their giftedness or their neuroimmune disorder. And of course, some have no idea why their child's nervous system is so vulnerable. The primary purpose of the club and why I've created it the way that I have is connection and co-regulation. Because when I reflect back on my time as a therapist, it wasn't the skills and strategies and tools and techniques I taught parents that mattered the most. What mattered most was how connection and co-regulation strengthened their owl brain so that they could stay more regulated in the face of the chaos in their home. Then they could, number one, actually use the tools, and number two, start to feel a little bit better even before the tools started to work. The club can be accessed online both through your browser on your computer and through an app. And it's open, of course, 24-7. There's a very active forum, a huge video library, and multiple live events every month. Sometimes I teach a masterclass on a specific topic. Sometimes we come together for group coaching or just to ask questions and pick, pick my brain. We have two sessions every month called Connect and Co-Regulates, and those are designed to offer exactly that. There's no teaching, no coaching, just a place for you to be seen and heard by people who get it. Currently, we are also offering once a month bonus sessions for siblings of dysregulated kids. The club is intended to be kind of like a buffet. There is a ton in it, not because you're supposed to do everything in the club. You take what you need when you need it and come back when you're ready for more. If you could use a little extra support, consider joining us. You can read all about all the details over at robingobel.com slash the club. I'll put a link in the show notes And we're open today until the end of the day, Friday, May 3rd. All right, y'all, here's that episode you're waiting for. Hello, hello, and welcome to this Fridays in February Q&A episode on the Parenting After Trauma podcast. I'm Robin Goble, your host. Let's get right to it and listen to this parent's question. Please leave your message. Every time my daughter gets told to do her chores, she flops down and acts like she's exhausted. What do I do? 
first of all, thank you so much to this parent who bravely called in and asked this question so succinctly, but also so respectfully of your child. This question gave me the perfect amount of information for me to be able to start brainstorming this question without giving away too many private details about their child. So perfect. Thank you. Second of all, I know there are a lot of parents just nodding along right now. In fact, my kids used to do this flop too. So let's talk about how you can support your child in the moment first, and then pull back up and see if there are other things that can be done even before the the request to do chores and a flop even happens. Of course, there are a couple different ways you could respond to the flop, depending on your daughter's age and where the flop, that that flop down energy is coming from in her nervous system. So one option could be to really mirror your daughter. If it's time to do chores and she flops down, you can pause, take a breath, then slump your shoulders and say in an exhausted voice, I know chores can feel like so much work. Depending on how you're reading the situation, you could actually even be sillier or maybe even like dramatic. You could flop down all the way on the floor and like swoon about how much work chores are. You have to be really careful here because this playful approach can easily come across as like very misattuned and like you're making fun. So you really have to just pay attention to How is your daughter in the moment? What's the history of y'all's relationship? Does she respond well to this sort of playfulness? Playfulness, like I said, can easily come across as misattuned, but it also can be like a really quick path towards connection. So you kind of just have to experiment and take what you know about your child and your relationship. Ultimately, the goal really is to mirror and reflect your daughter's feelings, you know, have her feel really seen. So once your connection is restored, you you can take a couple different paths. You, You can offer help if that's appropriate. You can commiserate with something like, while you're cleaning your bedroom, I'll be working on the kitchen. It's definitely no fun. I don't really want to do chores either. When we're done, we can chill for the rest of the weekend. You can negotiate on when the chore gets done, if that works in your family. For some families, negotiation can just cause more stress and anxiety. So again, this is kind of, you know, take what you know about your child and your family, take some of these ideas and see like, what do you think might actually work? Ultimately, it's actually really, really important for our kids to know that their feelings are all always okay. Um, That definitely doesn't mean behavior is always okay, but feelings are all always okay. And for sure, I'm not super excited about doing chores either. I don't expect my kid to joyfully jump up and do his chores with a big smile and a hip hip hooray, right? He's absolutely allowed to grumble and complain and express his frustration and have any old feeling he wants about doing chores. He just has to actually still do them. Usually when I hear about flopping kids, I think about the possum brain. If this is new language for you, I have a podcast and a blog article about the possum brain. You can go check that out at robingobel.com slash possum brain. That floppy collapsed body is likely communicating something like, I'm overwhelmed and I need help. 
And then your grown up adult brain might be saying something to you that sounds a little bit like, oh, good grief. This chore is so simple. If you just get on it, you'd be done by now. Right. And that's fair enough. Right. That's not necessarily inaccurate. There's so many times we watch our kids and frankly, other adults in our life as well complain about doing something longer than if they would just do it. I mean, this is a normal human behavior and it's normal to feel frustrated by it. But the truth is, is that the body doesn't lie. Whether this task or this chore seems overwhelming to you or not, or whether even if your child has done the chore in the past without any difficulty, in this moment, your daughter's body is saying, this is too much. Kids need their owl brain to know that they can do hard things and be okay. The owl brain has frustration tolerance and it can delay gratification, right? And there's three ways to reconnect to the owl brain, depending on your child and depending on how far away their owl brain has flown. One way is to help regulate their body with movement or maybe a drink or a snack, And then once your child's regulated again, you revisit their request. Now you know that the request was overwhelming. And so you can offer ways to kind of combat that overwhelm, right? So when you you say again, all right, now it's time to get on those chores, you can add in something like, and I'll help. Or you can break down the task into increments like, I'll set a timer and we'll work for five minutes and then we'll take a break for five minutes and then we'll work for five minutes and take a break for five minutes until it's done. Or you could offer something that helps break the task down like, hey, let's pick up all the red things first. So movement, drinks or snacks, like using the body, that's one way. And then once they're re-regulated, again, use what you know, oh, it was overwhelming to try to combat that. You can also help bring the owl brain back with some connection, which is what I've really already described, right? Like empathy, allowing their feelings to be real without necessarily changing the expectation and offering to help. I think it's really common as parents for this feeling to arise, which is like, If I let my child complain about this, they'll complain about everything forever, or they'll never learn how to just get the things done in life that they have to get done. Um, Or if I acknowledge that their feelings are valid, it's like my next step is that I have to say, so you don't have to do it. So just kind of listen to all those things again and ask yourself, are any of those things actually true? And the reality is, is that when somebody meets our feelings with attunement, without minimizing them, the circuits in our brain that grow frustration tolerance will grow, right? And so the thing we're worried about, you know, that our child will never be able to tolerate frustration or doing something hard without complaining about it. It's actually the exact opposite that's going to happen if we can hold a boundary, but offer a lot of empathy and connection and co-regulation. And the other thing that I find people can feel afraid of is if I acknowledge like, yeah, nobody wants to do this chore, my next statement has to be, so you don't have to. And those two things aren't true, right? Like we can say, nobody wants to do this chore. You're right. This chore is a real bummer. 
and we still have to do it, right? Like I can agree with my child that this is hard and they don't want to and still keep the expectation that, uh, that they still have to do it. Okay. So we talked about regulating through the body and then we talked about regulating through connection. And the third way then, um, that we can help our kids, you know, tolerate frustration, do things they don't really want to is if the owl brain isn't too far away. So if your child's not that dysregulated, sometimes the flop's quite dramatic, but your child's not actually that dysregulated, right? You have to like kind of lean in and, and figure out what's really happening here. You can then try to tap into the owl brain with facts and logic, something like, well, well, kiddo, but usually this short only takes you about 10 minutes. You know, that's shorter than it takes to even get to school. It seems long, but actually it'll be over pretty quickly, right? So that's a very logical fact-based response. Now, if the owl brain is pretty far away and your, your kid's pretty dysregulated, that's not going to be helpful. Um, but sometimes the owl brain is only just kind of far away, right? It's still like peeking or, or looking or, or taking in more information. And we can still use owl brain facts and logic to help our kid feel more regulated. And then, you know, depending on your child's temperament, you may even like set a timer for 10 minutes and, and see if they can beat that time, right? So really using logic and facts to talk about how like it feels like it takes forever, but it actually doesn't take that long, right? That could be helpful. You know, y'all, for some kids and grownups too, for sure, anything that could feel like a demand, anything that feels even the slightest bit hard can be overwhelming and can really invite that possum brain to take charge. So look for opportunities to exercise frustration tolerance and even narrate out loud how you handle doing hard things, right? So not in the moment, right? Like this is not a tactic for like in the middle of the flop, but at other times, look for opportunities to grow frustration tolerance and talk about your own um, process with frustration tolerance. So for example, next time you're about to do a chore that you don't really want to do, externally process it like maybe something like this. Ugh, my least favorite part about dinner is doing the dishes after it always feels like this huge, messy task that's going to take me forever. Sometimes it makes me feel like, is making dinner even worth it? Like, wow. I mean, that thought right there, like, is making dinner even worth it? Just lets me know how overwhelming doing the dishes feels to me. Then externally process, externally process what things you do to get through it. So something like, even though it feels like a huge task, I'll be done in less than 10 minutes. Or, hmm, I do not want to do the dishes, but I think I'll put on a podcast or an audiobook or even a Netflix show that I like. And as a side note, I do watch Netflix shows while I'm doing the dishes. There's a shelf like right at eye level next to our sink. And I just pop up my phone and I can pop on a short Netflix show while I'm doing the dishes and cleaning up the kitchen. The most important part is to stay really, really curious and see if you can feel into what's really underneath your daughter's flop. Maybe it's not even overwhelm. Maybe it's that she has a hard time putting off the fun things she wants to do instead. 
Maybe she has a hard time with a feeling of disappointment. Maybe she has a hard time sequencing tasks, making a plan, and then executing that plan. Each of those challenges will need a little bit different kind of support. And of course, it's totally normal for you to feel frustrated by this behavior. Take a breath. And if you can, offer your child a way to regulate and connect. To the parent who sent me this question, thank you for leaving your voicemail and being the first Friday Q&A. I'll be continuing the special Q&A series throughout February. So head over to robingobel.com slash podcast and look for the box that says, send me a question. It's super easy. You just click on, click on the button. You start recording right there and your voice question will get sent to me right from my website. Remember not to leave your name or your child's name. Give me just enough information to answer your question. Again, head over to robingobel.com slash podcast and look for the box that says, send me a question. All right, y'all, this has been super fun. I can't wait till next week. Are you ending this episode with maybe a big sigh of relief? Like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids. But also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what? If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events, including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now, you can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you, then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash beingwith, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast. Or you could go subscribe to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of 
parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you can get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you can just head to my website, download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash free resources. Webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now. And I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.